Welcome to another episode of Unwired. This is your host, Robert, and it's interesting, as every, every week, when it comes time to think of a topic, it's, it's not always easy. There's always something going on, but it's really about what you might find interesting, uh, what you might tune in for, what, what, what might make you share this with your friend. And I think sometimes we chase the, the fame of it all, the trying to get likes, trying to get eyeballs, instead of really just focusing on what is some good information to provide, and that'll bring people, once you're able to speak with some authority on a subject or maybe curiosity about a subject. So <clears throat> there's always something going on, and there's always something to talk about. Um, once again, this is Unwired. And so we can talk about a couple of different things that we might be interested in getting involved in. Um, there's a, a new company. Maybe this is the wrong way to say it. This is a company that's only recently come into my viewing that may have been around before. It's called Hollyland. Um, you can find them on bnhphoto.com. My friend Colin at Sandy Audio Visual, they also sell it. I'm going to go ahead and look it up. Hollyland, H-O-L-L-Y-A-L-A-N-D. And they sell a series of wireless products, um, uh, wireless video products, where you can uh, transfer video across a room. Uh, goes up to, they have a couple of different models. The one I've been looking at is the 300-foot wireless HDMI transmitter. Um, I'm going to try to get get one of these and do a video on it. Now, time passed, about a year ago, I did a video on the Extron wireless HDMI um, receiver and transmitter, transmitter and receiver. And it worked well. It was about 100 feet that I tested it. Uh, I wasn't able to go outside and test it at, uh, longer than that. But it held up well, 75, 80, 100 feet, no issues. It did have trouble uh, transmitting through uh, big blocks of wood and concrete, brick, um, and even drywall. But I think that's uh, these are more line-of-sight devices. They're not really made to go through rooms. Um, but this Hollyland wireless HDMI transmitter is a lot less expensive than some of the other brands. Uh, some of the most popular ones are the Terranex, or is it Teradec? I always get those confused. Terranex. Let's see. Yes, it's the Teradec. Ha! Blackmagic makes a Terranex, and that's a uh, standard converter, a video converter. It's Teradec. These are the uh, wonderful, really highly acclaimed, works real well. The TerraDeck is the, uh, they make streaming devices as well as wireless uh, transmitters. Those are some of the top of the line products. And while we also have a couple of different companies out there that do wireless transmission for really high scale. Let's look up HDMI. Wireless transmitter and receiver. Uh, oh, okay. 
There's a company called JTEC. I've bought a couple of their products before. Um, this is a 164 feet dual antenna model that can be had for about 186. That's not expensive at all. Hmm. Something to look into. Now, the question is, do you have money for R&D? Do you have money to test out these things? According to Amazon, they have 547 different reviews, and it's got four and a half stars, which is pretty good. 500 reviews, that's a good number. You're not talking about three people bought it and think it's great. This is 547 with an average of four and a half stars out of five. That looks like a decent product. Do you have $185 to spend and then find out it's not any good? Um, that's why sometimes it's good, you know, if you buy it from Amazon, it has a good return policy. So if you don't like it, you can return it. There's a couple of other products out here, uh, mostly no-name brand or brands that I've not heard of before. Uh, so I'd be a bit suspect. IOGear makes one, but this I don't think this is for professional levels. Uh, and this is selling for $120,000. we are talking about professional grade here in case you wanted to monitor or record from a remote location or further away from the camera. Uh, these are... These are acceptable ways of doing that, transmitting from a camera to a, another location. Um, in the case of at my church, I might want to transmit from the floor of the church. Our video room is upstairs in a room, and you might not want to run 150, 250 foot of video cable. You might not have that option. So these wireless transmitters would be good. Uh, once again, there's a couple of no-name brands out here. Uh, even as low as $126, it's got 4 stars out of 74, and it can transmit up to 1080p at 330 feet for $126? Huh. It has... Huh. It even has a loop out port on the transmitter so that you can attach a monitor to make sure you're getting signal. And then, of course, the receiver has the, ooh, 30% off today. Oh, I'm intrigued. Uh, it's just, I've been bitten so much, you know, <laughs> buying inexpensive things and then regretting it. But $126. Well, here's the other issue to think about. These are units that have to be plugged in. And so that, that does limit your ability to be out in the field. You're not going to be out uh, unless you have enough power uh, in the field. Let me see what kind of power this device takes. And once again, it's it's no name brand. There's, there's literally no name on it. Uh, it just has indent that says HDMI wireless. That's it. Let's see if there's a name on the back. Okay. Yeah, I'd be very suspect that this can go 330 feet. Um, it's using, it's a dual band, either 5 gig or 2.4 gig. Um, 5 gigahertz are usually less saturated bandwidth area, but um, it's not as, you can't go as far away if you're using 5 gig compared to 2.4 gigahertz range but that is a really saturated bandwidth quite a few devices use that but it is a nice device that it uses 
It's a dual band. It is fairly inexpensive for 330 feet of wireless. I'm honestly intrigued. I'm honestly intrigued by this. But once again, it's... Oh, I see. There's the name of it. Next Trend. N-E-X-T-R-E-N-D. <sighs> 74 people gets four stars. Uh, I don't know. It's something you might want to check out for yourself. Um, and as I mentioned before, what I look for is the bad reviews. The good reviews, well, what are you going to say? It works. It works great. It does such and such. That's excellent. But I, I look at the bad reviews and see if there's an issue. If there's an issue with it, is it an issue I can live with? If it's, Is it someone just griping because it didn't come in the right color? Yes. I've seen that in reviews. And is it something that makes this a deal breaker for me? So I'm going to keep on looking. Here's extenders changing it to Cat5. Wait a second. I think I've lost focus on what I was talking about. It's just talking about some uh, different technology that's out there. So, back to the subject at hand. We're looking at just the different technology that we're using. The whole point I wanted to bring out today was more about uh, some of the work that we've been getting into um Recently, we did a four-camera PTZ shoot using the PTZ Optics camera. We had one 12X, two 20Xs, and one 30X. And we were using a company called Scarhoy. Now, as you can tell, it is not an American company. It's spelled S-K-A. Oh, now i got to look it up. I don't like to get it wrong. Scarhoy. Yes. S-K-A-A-R-H-O-J. And we were using their PTZ Fly controller. And it did take me a while. I've worked with it a couple of times. But it's taken me a little bit of time to get used to it uh, compared to a larger one. One of the issues I was facing is how do you move from camera control to camera presets? Because they use the same button. So there's a sequence you have to go through. Normally, it's on camera mode. So as you push the um, one of six buttons, that's actually one of five because one is the menu button. As you push one of five buttons, you can choose between five different cameras. Then you have the menu button, which if you touch it at a certain part of it, because uh, it's rocker, you can do up, down, left, or right. If you press down, it goes into preset mode. So the problem I was having, and once again, this is a problem with me. I just didn't get the sequence down in time, is sometimes I would go into preset mode, hit a preset, and then when the action changed and I wanted to select a camera and start to control it, I was still in preset mode. So I was hitting a preset and moving the live camera. did that a couple of times the first day. I really reduced it the second day. I was making much less mistakes. It's really a nice product. It works using NDI and one Ethernet cable. You can use power or PoE. So we were able to use PoE for all the cameras as well as PoE for the controller, which meant we got to do setup so much quicker. Um, we weren't quite unwired, but 
we reduced the wires instead of having one SDI cable, one network cable, and one power cable, we were able to just run one Cat5e to all the cameras, and that provided NDI for video. It provided uh, Ethernet for control and power over Ethernet. Great, great feature. Now on that, it was, we were doing a four camera shoot and we had the camera set up in an odd way. There was one table with 36 people. Excuse me, actually it wasn't one table. It was multiple tables put into a square or a rectangle, rectangle in this case. Multiple tables put into a rectangle configuration and 36 people with about 18 microphones. Now we weren't handling audio, we were just doing video. What made this interesting is we didn't know when the people would speak. Now, we had the chairman, so we sort of focused the camera on the chairman because we figured he'd speak the most. But in truth, he did the openings, he handed it off to someone else, and then other people did certain sections. Now, those people sat mostly on one side, so they could be covered by one camera. On the other side... Enable, to enable us to get like directly across from that side, so the, the long side of the tables, on one side was the chairman and most of the, um, the people who did most of the speaking, and then on the other side was people who were coming in to present. So we did have one camera focused on one side, one of the long sides, and that was good, and we had another camera focused on the other long side, and that was good as well. The problem came in because they requested one of the cameras to be in the back of the room to get a wide shot. Well, the problem with that is the wide shot you couldn't use quite often. We used it doing roll call because they actually took attendance. And we used it as an establishing shot. But then after that, the, ca the camera is sort of just in the back, sort of useless. Then... The other camera that we placed within the circle, we had two cameras within the circle, two cameras outside the circle, or rectangle as, as the case was. The issue was we put it on the wrong side. Well, we didn't know. We hadn't uh, been to a, this type of group before, and it just turned out where we had that camera was where most of the talking was. So we had to, we should have shot across it we should have put the camera in a different section now it may be hard for you to see but i think i'm going to try to get a diagram up on the website to show this sort of show you where the cameras were placed and in hindsight how we could have done it better and of course what they say hindsight is 2020 you're always going to get perfect vision when you're looking at something after it's done and you could look in a, diff a better way to do it but at least we know if we're invited back next year and when we got some positive responses for how we um, handled this event. Um, I don't think we gave any problems. Like I said, I made a couple of mistakes, but overall, the event went really well. We streamed it, and the client was happy, and that's really what's important. But next time, I may swap the camera put in a different location. Now, that that's going to be funny, because it may turn out once I move it to the other side of the square, of the rectangle, that the side it's facing does the least amount of talking. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, we might have been better with five cameras, but at that point, 
you could honestly say you're better with six and seven and eight cameras, but that's not practical. You can't just have a billion cameras over there to say, hey, we can handle every shot. Because for one, how are you going to control those billion? And for two, um, that's a lot of stuff to carry back and forth. So that's sort of the event that we did recently. Um, it's a great learning experience. Uh, on the flip side, I went out recently into the heart of D.C. to the um, the reflecting pool. I took some video out there. I took my uh, Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K camera out to D.C. to the mall area. I went around. There's an exhibit there or a, um, a memorial for the original 13 signers of the Declaration of Independence. And it shows the states they're from. I didn't know there was someone from South Carolina who originally signed the Declaration of Independence. But there was a memorial there to the original uh, signers. I said 13. There were more than 13. It was um, the original set of people who signed it. Let me look up. How many people signed the Declaration of Independence? I have it on video. I just haven't. I didn't count yet, so I haven't looked at it. Signed. How does it know? See, Google listens to you. I say how many people sign, and immediately jumps up the Declaration of Independence. Fifty-six. So it's a tribute to fifty-six. Um. So what's interesting about that is some people got bigger blocks than others, and what's uh, there were farmers. Planters, far, um, uh, lawyers, uh, inventors, all sorts of different people signed. And I, I, I need to one day look and figure out why these men. Why were these the 56 who signed it? But in that area, it's a nice little area. It needs to be cleaned up. And there was a sign that said they intend to do some cleaning. But I had no idea that there was even a memorial to them out there. Uh, and I, we would have walked right by it. It's it's almost like a grotto, but it's an opened area. Um, and as we walked further down, we went by the World War II Memorial, which is very nice. It shows the, the states. Um, it's on the other side of the reflecting pool from the Jefferson Memorial. Excuse me, the Lincoln Memorial. It showed the the different states and countries that were involved in World War II. And it's a very nice tribute, a large area with a beautiful pool in the middle. So I went out there with the Black Magic and shot some video out there. And it was a lot harder than I expected. Uh, once again, I talked before about how the Pocket uh, 4K is really a cinema camera. We shouldn't try to treat it as a DSLR where you can just turn it on and, and run with it. No matter what people tell you. It is not that straightforward. Yeah, you can't just slap a lens on it, a memory card, the batteries, and then go and shoot whatever you want. It's not designed for that. For one, we're not talking about limitations. We're just talking about um, just talking about what it's designed for. So you can't call it a limitation because if it's not designed to do something, it's like saying a car. Uh, you can't go across the ocean, you can't fly across the ocean with a car. That's not a limitation of a car, it's not designed to do that. Um, 
So the Pocket 4K is designed to work under certain conditions, more controlled conditions. One of the biggest issues I have is once you get out in daylight, you cannot see the screen. Um, so the touch screen loses its effectiveness. The five inch screen loses its effectiveness because you can't see it in daylight. And the, the, the sun was beautiful. It wasn't high in the sky, but there was enough of it. It was a really, really bright day where you couldn't see. And that also limited my um, ability to see whether I was in focus or not. So when I go back over the footage, I know there's going to be some. I had focus peeking. I had focus peeking on, but I still couldn't see if I was in focus. Uh, and because it doesn't have autofocus, well, there you go. You're stuck with manual focus. Many people like that. They favor that, but there are drawbacks to that in certain conditions. Um, the other issue was um, battery life. I recently purchased um, an external battery that can do 12 volts. I also bought an adapter so that I can go from 5.5 millimeters to the special battery connector that the Pocket 4K has. And so I had that in my bag, but because I was trying to avoid carrying around a bunch of weight on a hot day, I put the bag back in the car and forgot to take the battery out. And because I was just doing this more for fun, it's no huge stress where I needed the battery. It was there if, if I needed it, but, you know, it's no big stress on it. But I got, if I got 30 minutes out of the original battery, it's a miracle. So there is that. That's a drawback. That, it, that camera shouldn't have that. Now, you can carry around a bunch of different batteries. But that also means you have the potential to miss your shots as you're changing out batteries. Not everything can be, um, you can just say cut and move on. Certain things happen. You just got to capture the motion. Now, some of the great things about it was the slow motion, being able to get to up to 120 frames a second in 1080p. Um, I got up to 60 frames a second in UHD. And... I'm going to go back and look at this footage. I did shoot most of it in RAW, but not all of it. So I can go back and take a look and maybe put up a quick video about it. But whenever they tell you, yeah, you can just slap a lens on it, put a memory card in it, it's not really designed that way. So just understand that and you'll be fine. In, in what I was trying to do, I should have brought another monitor. Yes, that's additional weight additional battery power and additional time and I did take my monopod which is great it's a Benro monopod excellent with the with the three legs at the bottom I love that thing because it's lightweight and it enables me to to set up shots I can shift weight from one hand to the next so I, I don't tax myself one of the other things that we had uh, that I would say is a drawback is the audio. Um, now, the preamps on it are very low. Now, what that also means is there's not a lot of noise. So there's good to that. And then the bad side is there's not a lot of uh, volume in the, originally. So that's something to be to look into. I just use one lens. I have a Samyang 12 millimeter. Um, and sometimes I wish I had had a zoom lens so I could zoom in at certain, uh, 
I could zoom in at certain points, certain things I wanted to get a closer look at. Uh, 12 millimeters doesn't always give you a lot of detail, uh, but it's a very nice lens and it worked well. So that's just some of the things I wanted to talk about today. Um, once again, just continue to email us. Let us know what you want to know. <laughs> let us know what you want to know. Let us know some of the things you want to talk about, some of the things you want us to cover. Uh, and I could even get some guests on. I keep promising that, and eventually I'll do it. it it's just an issue of timing. So, And keep a lookout some of some of the other podcasts that we're doing and some of the work we're doing. Next time, I think I'm going to talk some more about editing, editing, um, my workflow with editing, some of the things I'm dealing with, some of the uh, issues I have with DaVinci Resolve, as well as some of the other packages and how much I miss Sony Vegas. <laughs> if only they had kept up with updating that program, it would have been the best. So... I want to thank you once again for listening. Don't forget to email us, unwiredthepodcast at spaceage-llc.com or just unwired at spaceage-llc.com. And here's hoping you'll hear us next week.